podcast brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. My name is Tony. I'm here with Dave and Connor. Dave Stevens, Connor S. I am Tony Bernanzi. Coming to you today, of course, another Zoom cast after a disheartening loss last night, guys. But we'll get into that. Uh, we have what you got for our show. We have a special guest, which we'll get to him in a moment. Uh, but it is Sunday. It's about noon at Minneapolis time. I'm not drinking today because I had way too much to drink last night at the uh, first time I've been at Allianz for, I think it was 522 days. Exactly right. Yeah. So uh, I'm not drinking, but Connor, I think you have some beer you're drinking. I do, Tried this yet, and I'm looking at the alcohol content now. It's 9.7. You're gonna so kill. You're gonna. You're gonna die today. You're gonna die. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great way to start a Sunday here. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, but yeah. Here. Let me, let me try it here. I actually haven't tried it yet. Oh yeah. Goes down. Real nice and smooth. Very citrusy. Uh, I can see. Definitely see. I can definitely taste the alcohol more in this IPA than most other ones. Uh, it's a good one. I think I prefer the, um, uh, the jam IPA. That's their kind of signature IPA up there. Uh, but it's a good one. Uh, but yeah, again, it's from Rapids IPA. It's a really nice one. Awesome. Uh, Dave, what about you? Yeah, I, you know, Tony, I'm with you. I, I, I just, <laughs> I had, I, I had my share last night, so Come I on, don't guys. really have anything, hey. you know, I think it was just a matter of having so much fun yesterday, not having enough time to get out to the liquor store yeah. and shopping. So I'm unprepared, but uh, yeah, cause this is one of the first, probably the first uh, podcast that I don't have a craft beer in front of me, but that's okay. Yeah. And it, you know, I share your excitement. It had been even longer for me getting back to Allianz field. The last game I did not, I was out of town, wasn't able to get to the, the playoff game that you guys went to in 2019. So for me, it was, like another month longer than that. I, I think the last game I was at was uh, late September 2019 when they played LAFC. So oh, yeah. even longer, I got really excited. I had a lot of fun, uh, but yes, I, I am without any specialty beer here myself. So I'll, I'll make up for it next pod. Let's say that. All right. Yeah, I, again, I'm, I'm with you, Dave. I'm actually drinking a Kickstart by Mountain Dew um, to try to rehydrate myself, but it's <laughs> not really working in being 41 years old, your body just drinking a lot of beer kicks your butt the next day. So, um, so right off the top, we have a special guest, Scott, uh, one of Connor's friends. And Scott lives in, you live in between London, Wales, Scott, right? Yeah. So um, I work in London, but I've got my uh, bought a house and that in Wales. So literally flip-flopping between the two at the moment. Awesome. And the reason why we have Scott on today is because we want to talk to him about the Super League because Scott was kind of in the kind of in the middle of that whole thing over in Europe. He got to see uh, fans that were pissed off. He got to see it kind of start up and burn itself out. Uh, so it's it's great to have you on, Scott. Let me uh, ask you the first question. What's your favorite team in in Europe? Who's your favorite team? Who you follow? So I follow AFC Wimbledon. Um, they're a League One team. Okay. Um, we they started. Um, it worked. In 2002, it was decided that Wimbledon FC were going to actually move to Milton Keynes, and we didn't like that. So we started our own team, and within nine years, we'd made it up back into the Football League from starting from scratch. So, yeah, we literally rose up through the ashes, which was good. Okay. So um, to kind of get everybody where this all started, and I'm sure all of our listeners heard about the Super League, um, but it was, I think, 12 teams, guys. It was Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, Totem Hotspur, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Manchester City, Man U, Inter Milan, and AC Milan. And I think uh, Juventus was in there, too, I believe. And I'm trying to think who else um, that would be. Liverpool was one of them. Liverpool was in there, too. This was the original. Yeah, there, was, there, was, uh, there was six from the English Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, yeah, this is telling me the, the beginnings of it, but so anywho, this league started up as kind of a, well, it's called the super league because it was the biggest teams in Europe wanting to start their own league. Uh, and 
when this, there have been rumors about this for, I think for months, guys. I mean, it would be kind of been going back and forth. And then when it all kind of started up, the fans got really pissed off that these teams wanted to kind of break away uh, from their individual leagues and start this kind of super league. Um, FIFA was mad. FIFA, FIFA was upset. They started to talk about restrictions, things like that. Um, but Scott, being you're in England, what was kind of the what were fans doing over there? What, I mean, what was the feeling over there when the Super League kind of came about? It was, it was a bit of a shock. Um, there'd been a lot of talk this season anyway through the big teams and UEFA over the Champions League, which is the European Cup for uh, club teams. And on the Friday before, they'd just come to a deal that they were going to expand the Champions League, invite more teams in, uh, more money for everyone, and just everyone, be- like, it was meant to improve everything for everyone. Um, you had the chairmans and that of the likes of Man United and Liverpool were actually within that meeting on the Friday that ratified the deal. And then the shock of all, all of a sudden, Sunday evening, it was, no, we're going to break away and start our own because we're not happy. Yeah, and that and, and, and kind of like it hit me over the head and because they were, it was full steam ahead and it was proposed to start, I believe, what, by 2023? Is that correct? The, they were talking, talks of it being able to be up and running that they needed to by August of this year. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It was yeah. that far ahead in the planning. And the fans, I think a lot of people were in shock on the Sunday evening, not really knowing the details and started to read through about it. So there was going to be uh, 15 teams that basically could not be relegated, could not be promoted. They were going to play, be there nonstop the whole time. And then a further five teams who could actually then join in on a season to season basis. And fans across the UK um, and reports that we've seen in the press over here across the whole of Europe were just like, no, this, this not, what, that's not football. That's not what we. That's not what what it's about. We like the fact of anyone can win, anyone can go through. And if you're playing really well and you have a great season, then you have the opportunity to go and further yourself and better yourself and play against the bet like the supposedly top teams next season in in the European Cups. So yeah, a lot of fans were extremely annoyed. There were protests. Monday night outside of the Leeds game for Leeds versus Liverpool. And then on the Tuesday, I actually drove past uh, Stamford Bridge of Chelsea and uh, see it for myself. There were people already outside about half two, three o'clock in the afternoon protesting, just saying like RIP football, RIP the clubs. It was lit. Yeah, it was uh, a big outcry really quickly. And everyone from all teams, whether it was a premiership team all the way down to like League One, League Two, everyone was just coming out saying, no, this is wrong. It's not right. And this is not what football is about. What was about it really was about was money. I mean, it was all it was greed is what it was. And if you look at who the ownership of a lot of these teams are, they're American owners uh, of these teams. Um, So what, of course, they were trying to do was make it more Americanized. European soccer, which is never going to work. Uh, European soccer, you're right, Scott, is because any team can can kind of grow themselves up and become a great team from the bottom up. There is no like stopping a team from getting there. Whereas here in America, we have MLS and we have the lower leagues and the lower league teams can't grow themselves up into MLS unless they, of course, buy into MLS, uh, which makes the owners more money. So I think in America, I think a lot of people here, except for soccer fans, soccer fans knew exactly what was going on here, but the general public in America was like, well, why does, why do people give a shit? I mean, why, why do they care? I thought from our perspective, well, not, I shouldn't say our perspective from American perspective, say that isn't following soccer closely, like, you know, us, of course, uh, I, you saw almost immediately, they tried to put an American spin on it and say, oh, what would happen with a super league and say college football or yeah. this sport or that sport, trying to, trying to just comprehend what was going on. But you really can't because we don't, you know, soccer fans, there's a lot of back and forth uh, of pro reg, you know, promotion, relegation, say even within soccer, it just, to me, 
as a soccer fan, even though I, I love that, I love, I, you know, I follow the premier league and I love, you know, at, at, you know, coming into the last month of the season, as we are with four or five matches left, it's exciting, not only watching the top four or five spots, but watching, you know, say the bottom and seeing who's going to get in, who's going to get out. That's really exciting. I think from our perspective, it's hard to envision, even though I love it, it's hard to envision a scenario for us because you'd have to kind of go backwards. You'd have to get those owners to agree to a system where their top MLS club could potentially be, you know, then relegated into a lower league. And you're talking huge money, of course, with broadcast rights and everything that goes around. The MLS to be able to organize that. We've already got 27 teams in the MLS. So when you're talking about relegation, you would need to shorten the MLS, go down to the USL, the NASL, to all those smaller leagues. So that's where it gets super complicated. Um, uh, but I know that uh, it really works out well over in the, in the UK because they've done it for decades, even yeah. a century. And uh, being a Brentford fan myself, I'm really, uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about maybe the possibility of team like Brentford getting promoted to the Premier League next year. So that's where the excitement comes from. Um, <clears throat> so, Scott, I guess my, my next question would be, uh, when you look at the, when you look at the Super, Super League and like in the aftermath and all, the, all these GMs and managers stepping down, um, like what, what have you seen on TV over there? What have you seen from all the uh, head coaches and GMs? So, a lot of the head coaches, like the managers and that, um, have come out. I know J- uh, Jurgen Klopp of Liverpool come out uh, that night and live on TV just said, I don't support it, I don't like it. Um, it's not been confirmed, but Jose Mourinho of Tottenham, he was sacked because he went, he refused to train the players unless he had confirmation of what uh, the chairman, Daniel Levy, was, was his intentions were, and he wasn't happy. So along with... Um, not a great season for them. That was his uh, position was terminated. Not a lot of the players, a lot of the managers didn't like it. Um, then, but they were quickly quick to come out and say they actually wasn't consulted on it anyway. It was nothing down to them. It was all down to the chairmen's and the owners of the clubs. And quite a few of the actual financial directors and that are now st- uh, stood down from Man United. There's talks at Man City that there's um, the owner might actually be trying to put the club up for sale now. And uh, Roman Abramovich of Chelsea has come out and said he um, he would never have actually agreed to it if he had done if he had been advised on what the backlash could have been from not just the fans but from the FA and UEFA as well, which I think is probably a slight little cop out on his part. Yeah, but. Arsenal and Chelsea supposedly only, uh, sorry, not Arsenal, Man City and Chelsea only jumped on on board with it at, at the end because it was kind of a case of you either join, you either with us or you're against us. It's your choice. Now pick, um, pick your bed. And, and so they jumped on on it, but there's still talks of the teams actually being punished by the relevant. FAs, their football associations, and within UEFA as well. Mm-hmm. Just as a case, or if you brought the, the sport into disrepute now, if this is an individual player through whatever they write on social media, they'll get um, fined and actually get repercussions. So now they're still talking about uh, punishments and that for the teams. And I, I think that FIFA also was, you know, saying that they there was going to be some punishment there uh, potentially if the players had actually played in that league, um, that they wouldn't be able to play for their national teams, which was nuts. Um, what's really crazy about the Super League too, guys, is that no German teams, no Bundesliga teams actually joined up, which is actually a credit to them, knowing that it'd be a bad deal for them to join up um, and, and kind of get into this. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the downfall is. I there's a couple of uh, higher ups in some of these teams that have now resigned from their positions after what has happened. And, uh, and, and, and Scott, it's funny you bring up uh, that um, uh, the uh, person from the, the team you're talking about who said that, that they didn't know this would happen. Roman Abramovich. Roman Abramovich. Yeah. 
there's there's no possible way that you wouldn't know there would be ramifications for doing this type of leap. I mean, they had to know. And the reason why they did it was all money-based. It was money, 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 money. Their stocks, some of these teams' stocks went up, you know, 10 to 15% after it was announced they were joining the Super League. Um, so they know that it was all money-based. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens after this, how the how the fans react, how the, you know, the players react, all that type of stuff. It's just a big... It's a big uh, stain on the on the European leagues that they really didn't need right now. I mean, especially after the whole after COVID. I mean, COVID is starting to kind of wind itself down, and we're coming coming out of it. And then to have them jump the Super League on everybody was kind of a a kick to the groin a little bit. Um, so, Scott, I mean, as a fan of, of of a team in 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 England, is there? I mean, would you have been pissed off if your team had? joined up with the Super League? Yeah, massively. Um, it's, it's, okay, everyone's got to make, everyone's got to make some money, is, but, football within Europe's never been a business. There's only really been two or three teams that have ever been uh, solely within themselves financially. And they've always like struggled so it's all it is a bit of a money pit football in, in within Europe, but that's the fan it's that reason that everyone likes because then you can up and down the leagues, you can get small teams in from non-league football, all semi-professionals have a full-time job, play football for a small club, and then say like within the FA Cup, get Man United and actually knock them out of the FA Cup. And everyone loves that. So then to come in with a completely closed system of it doesn't matter how good or bad my team's done this year, I'm just going to stay there. It's just, it doesn't sit right. It doesn't feel right. And that's not what football's all about. Yeah. Yeah. That that was kind of one of the things that I started to think about almost immediately, just trying to understand exactly what this meant. But I I was most kind of curious of how, how this would shake down and then affect say the, the club's, all across Europe that weren't um, that weren't going to be part of the Super League. So how does it then affect, say, the Champions League as it is now, the Europa League as it is now, and not to mention, you know, your normal, you know, your normal, uh, you know, club, te- you know, country, you know, ML, Premier League, you know, and whatnot, Champions Champions League, uh, Championship League One, all across leagues like that. I just wondered what the fallout was going to be, and it, it it had to have been massive. I would thought. I would have thought. Yeah, uh, definitely, because a lot of money, especially during this COVID times, it has flown down from some of the bigger uh, bigger teams, and that. But they've also changed the way they broadcast the TV, like the matches over here in England. So on a Saturday, you'd never ever get a live three o'clock game. That was always protected. Those games were never on TV. Whereas during COVID, because you can't have fans, it's been literally a full season now, where most clubs haven't had a single fan through the door. So the financial side of it was hard. So they've actually changed the way that they broadcast the games. And like, give it yesterday, there was only one Premier League game on TV. So then they could spread it out over the whole weekend. So you have games on a Friday, the Saturday, Sunday and Monday. So they're all getting massive TV money, like from Sky and BT Sports, and they're getting their huge TV revenues. And part of the deal is of those smaller TV revenues then filter down through through to the lower leagues to help those teams as well to stay up, stay uh, stable and financially stable this like during the times. And with this, with the European Super League, that wasn't going to happen. That money was going to stay within the teams within the European Super League. And there wasn't going to be a filtering down of any money. And a lot of people are like, well, hang on a minute. They use the loan system and have feeder teams as such. So the younger players that are coming through their academies get loaned out to the lower league teams, help progress them and feed them through. So there is a lot of give and take. And all that was then going to stop. And it was a lot of teams were like, well, hang on a minute. We've they've we've invested a lot into some of these players and then going to see not see anything back from it as well so it was a big kick in the teeth for people and i think and i think that's why 
the the reaction here was straight out from from everyone from like the normal person even up to the prime minister was just like this is wrong and it can't it can't be allowed to happen yeah i i saw that uh, your prime minister there Boris is boris boris johnson right yeah that's correct yeah he was not happy with the super league as well it was uh it's kind of crazy to see somebody like that come out against it um um yeah, uh, I heard that uh, Boris Johnson was going to take steps to uh, to put laws into place to keep the Super League from happening. Is that correct? Yeah, so there was talks of um, either changing the laws and that, which I think might be a bit extreme because also I know that FIFA don't allow governments to get involved in how the FAs, etc., run. But then there was also talking about the work visas for players and that as well. Of if they couldn't change the laws, then maybe with these teams where if, um, if you're going to a Premier League team, you get a work visa quite easily to be able to move over. Whereas if you're playing for these teams in the Super League, that wouldn't be the case. So I think they were looking at all avenues to try and put the roadblocks in for it. How that would have worked, I don't know. But it, I think it kind of just shows the level disapproval disapproval from bottom to top of this is this is not right it's just not right it shouldn't be allowed to happen um well scott i want to thank you for coming on it's been a it's been great talking to you about super league it's nice to talk to somebody who's actually kind of right in the thick of it over there before we let you go though uh since we talk about beer on this show is there a favorite beer you drink in england I do. I drink a lager called Carlsberg. That's, that's, that's my favorite. Yep. A craft beer or anything, but that's that's what I enjoy. All right, man. Well, cool. Uh, well, again, Scott, thanks for coming on. Um, I know you got a got a driver. Right, thank you for having us. Yep. Yeah, and uh, maybe come on again sometime later in the season when things are going on in Europe again. We'll have you on and talk for a couple minutes about European soccer or something crazy you know maybe another super league will sprout up and you can come on and talk about that or whatever so thanks scott thank you for having me thanks scott appreciate it thank you for coming on scott thank you all right guys uh so it's great to have scott on guys uh talk about super league a little bit it's nice to um you know talk to somebody over in europe and uh have them uh talk about super league but uh we have a game to talk about for from last night that we were all at uh all three of us were there um it is the it was a loons game and uh guys it was the home opener we were all very excited to go we were all pumped 4100 people in the stands uh pumped to get back to allianz field to see all of our friends and get back there and see the green grass and the you know all that stuff it was it was going to be fun and it was fun until it wasn't fun. Yep. Um, so let's start off with the starting lineups, guys. We did go with a 4 2 3 1, yep. uh, which is interesting because uh, Avila was not available. Um, and also, um, we were missing, we were missing, uh, who else were we missing? Debasi was, yeah. was out again. And those, I think we, I, well, Abilo was a bit of a surprise I, only because, you know, he did make his debut for the club last week out in Seattle. And uh, it kind of came out of, for me, it seemed to come out of nowhere very early in the week that he was dealing with, I believe, a thigh injury. But uh, yeah. yeah, so he wasn't training with the club. He was, tra- he was training off by off on the side by himself. And yeah, so a couple, couple, those are a couple of big spots. Obviously, you know, you look at the center back depth and, you know, with Opara not being there yet, mm-hmm. if ever, um, Debasi out, you, you know, all of a sudden you have a little depth issues, even though it's ironic because we came into this season saying just, just loving our depth, you know, across the pitch, let alone in the defensive back. Um, I think part of that is because of some of the players that we're talking about are new, young, you know, can't, coming out of the super draft, like Kimaguchi, um, you know, we got Ritalia, who actually got the start for Debasi, but he, you know, he hadn't been with the club too long. And so I think there's just a little bit of issues. I think the biggest thing you guys will agree was that before the lineups were announced pregame, we were all wondering, I think, assuming we would not see Dotson back at the left wing position. And we didn't. And unfortunately, it wasn't a little bit of an interesting note about the lineup, too, I thought was interesting was they did, you know, 
you see a lot of it on Twitter, but Lude was actually out at right and Finley was on the left. So I think that, that's one of the first times I can recall seeing Finley on the left. Yeah. Um, it probably, it maybe has happened, but uh, it certainly doesn't happen often, at least not last year. So that was, I thought that was really interesting, a little uh, tinkering by Heath to, to put Lotto, Lude out at the right and put Finley at the left. So you can, and then, you know, we see Agadello. So I thought that was, you know, for what they have, I was kind of happy with that lineup. I know we were talking, could it be a 4-3-3 possibly, but yeah, so he went with what uh, he knows, the 4-2-3-1. And uh, going back to Abila, um, he came out and kind of made a, a thing on uh, social media saying he's not injured. He's actually... He played on the turf in Seattle and he hasn't played on turf so that he was taken last night off, which when I was talking to David, when I was talking to David about it uh, in the car ride down to the stadium, he's like, yeah, can you believe he put that out there? And we both thought, well, that's just him trying to downplay his injury prone status. I mean, we all knew he was kind of injury prone, but he's kind of out there saying, well, I'm not injured. I just don't feel great after playing on the turf for 20 minutes in Seattle last week. Um, so we know he's probably a little banged up. Uh, it, it is what it is. Um, so we did have a big announcement before the game, uh, a day before the game. Uh, Anu is coming here. And it's not Hanu. It's Anu, I believe. Anu. 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 Yeah. The H Silent. is silent. I saw on Twitter numerous times, podcasters, here's what you need, how you need to pronounce it. So it's Hanu. Anu. Um, he'll be coming over here, uh, which is crazy. That deal got done super fast. Um, we don't know exactly when he'll be here, but, uh, it's another, another guy guys to put up top, um, yeah. potentially and get him. Uh, he's a great passer. Uh, he he's from some of the stats that, uh, David, uh, Sterling was passing around to us. looks like he's great at passing the ball, getting it through. Um, so we'll see how he plays with Ray. Um, but, uh, back to the game guys. Starting lineups in, it's RSL. RSL did not play last week. They had a basically an off week to start the season. So they had an extra week of training. And uh, we came out of the gates, guys, and I don't – did we look okay in the beginning? I don't think well, we really did. Well, for the first 10 minutes, I thought we looked okay. Uh, I thought we were passing well. I thought we were pressing up toward their goal, their goal uh, very well. Uh, I saw a couple chances that were created, um, and I thought, hey, this is this might actually be a good game. But then it was only the first 10, maybe 15 minutes where we had that kind of pressure. And then it just kind of all fell apart from there. And it was probably, uh, I know you're going to get into it in a little bit, Tony, but it was probably all, uh, you know, it was the, the catalyst was that first goal by RSL, probably. Yeah. I, uh, it was just a breakdown. Uh, and from there it was just not a not a good game to watch yeah i i don't and maybe for me it was the excitement of actually being in the stands watching that game but it does you know so i think that by the time the excitement wore it never really wore off but i mean i just the feeling of being there was great and then all of a sudden you realize there's a game to watch Mm -hmm. and you know for my recollection of especially of that first half they're just it just didn't feel like there was much to watch you're sitting there you know that you're watching I don't think I think there was a a very big difference you know coming out of the Seattle game where their their press was you know it went much further through the midfield you know I think there was there were much more aggressive against Seattle um you can I I just just the lack of movement there was nothing in the final third it seemed to me off the top of my head in the first half recall recalling but uh it just it didn't have a flow to it um, yes, they had some possession, but that possession just wasn't meaningful. I didn't think it got them anywhere. And it was, it was just honestly a little surprising. And I wonder if that part of that was because of what happened in Seattle. And maybe they, they figured that they couldn't be as aggressive. They didn't want to expel as much energy, you know, burn, especially being at home. Maybe they were going to take a little more conservative approach in this match. Uh, maybe that's what happened, but I don't know. It just, it wasn't very inspiring football, like just being there and watching it. And I don't oh. think you'd have the same kind of reaction on TV. So, yeah, it was it, it, again, you're right, Dave. It was the excitement to be there, to be in front of, you know, to have 4,100 people there. Um, I, I will note that the first nine and a half, I think it was nine minutes and 27 seconds, guys, uh, was silent. Um, there was no cheering because of, uh, I think it was, uh, had to do with George Floyd. Um, so they did that before the match. 
Um, but uh, after that, I mean, the cheering was actually, it was, it sounded loud to me because I guess I haven't, we haven't been there for a long time, but yeah. there's only 4,100 4, people there. And um, I think the, the players uh, liked that. I think they loved being in front of their home fans. Um, the pitch looked great. Uh, the beer tasted great. Um, the play on the field, though, was subpar. And uh, you're right, Connor. Um, I think that RSL scored their first goal in the 31st minute. Uh, it was Anderson Julio uh, scoring. And if you watch this play, guys, uh, Chase Gasper screwed the pooch on this bad boy um, because he had a chance to, I think there was a cross or a pass over uh, to the right. Uh, Gasper did cut it off, but it bounced off his foot and right in, I think right to uh, Anderson Julio's foot and he just unleashed it. Um, I'm watching it again here because of course we were at the game last night. So I don't really recall the setup for that play, but uh, yeah, I'm watching it here. And again, a little pass into the box towards the box. Gasper has it, lets it go, goes for the tackle and it's game over. Uh, there's nothing that, uh, that, uh, Dane can do at that point. So big downer for us, uh, giving up a first goal in the first half in front of our home crowd. But, uh, yeah. And you know, now, now that I say that, you know, maybe, maybe I, I, I don't know. I think may, it, would you say it was against the run of play? I mean, maybe you almost yeah. could because Connor, yeah. you made the point of saying, okay, if you were going to watch that game, you know, I'm being a little too hard on the, on the team probably. Cause you know, I think especially with Lude and Ray, you, you had a few, they had a few opportunities. They, you wouldn't call them great chances, but they had chances. There was, they were building a little bit of excitement. It just, it didn't, it didn't have the same feel, like I said, against Seattle, but I don't know, would you call that goal against the run of play at Not that point? Necessarily. Um, I, I think at that point, uh, it was kind of an up and down game. Uh, it was like, we definitely still had our chances leading up to that goal, but so did they. So I don't think it was necessarily against the run of play, but uh, it was, um, uh, I guess I, I don't really know how to describe it. There was, there was no real run of play at that moment, I don't think. Um, I would say that that goal basically pushed RSL into the run of play going in their favor. That's, yeah. that's what I would say. Fair enough. And, uh, you know, they get the goal. We kind of try to come back i know uh lud missed a shot um one went over the crossbar um i know uh there was a couple i mean we, we had our chances here and there guys just nothing like too like concrete is how i'd put it i mean we had chances but nothing nothing that really grabbed me and i said that should have gone in that that's that that's a that's a goal right there but it didn't happen there was none of that it was all kind of you know, putting it on the goalie and, you know, or too high, too wide. It was just kind of all over the place. Right. Um, but it, we're only down a goal, guys, and it's we're at home, so it's not that bad. But then a couple minutes later, I mean, like, what, 10 minutes later? Yeah. They score again. And it, it, yeah. it, it was and and Anderson Julio. Julio again. Before the half, I mean, because I yeah. think even with even even with RSL getting at on getting out in front, um, getting the early lead, I, it wasn't the sky was. I didn't feel like the sky was falling. I didn't feel like this game was over. I, I definitely thought there was you know there was some fight left in the club. But yeah, to get the second one before halftime was really a kick in the you know kick in the pants, so to speak. It it, it yeah. didn't. It really was off putting, and and that you start looking at it, you know, two nil deficit at home, and it, it really takes the kind of the wind out of the sails a little bit, you know. And it's funny you talk about, you know, like Tony, you were talking about like kind of goals or chances, and we were doing that earlier. And I, I'm actually looking at the expected goals, and if you look even right up to that point where the RSL scored their second goal, the expected goals for both clubs were actually quite similar, so. Yep. I mean, expected goals is one thing. I, I do kind of like that metric when you look at it, expected goals that, you know, it takes, I think it, you know, you have scoring opportunities and possession in the final third and shots. It takes all that into account. And it really, until that point, you know, they were pretty equal. In fact, in some of those spots, you know, Minnesota was actually had a, had a little advantage in expected goals, but 
that's not what counts boys that doesn't matter expected goals don't uh, it's the actual goals but it is interesting the game ended with the you know minnesota had an expected goal of 1.6 versus rsl's 1.5 so you know that does that does put it in perspective a little bit i guess and look you know going back and looking at the game from a literally a different angle we aren't used to watching the games uh, up in the stands and you do kind of get a different feel watching on tv so it is different well and the second goal guys again uh gasper screwed that up uh because it was a pass uh, or it was a header uh back and it came towards uh towards chase he went to go kick it he kicked it backwards and uh rsl players ran right past him and cleared it in you could see gasper are kind of putting his hands up like oh, i don't know what i did but it he, mistakes like that guys are going to cost him a role in the starting lineup i mean yeah. he cannot make mistakes like that on his side it's just we've seen that from gasper uh time and time again where he makes stupid mistakes and there's a lot of gasper fans out there and and some of the stuff i i don't disagree with i think he's a very talented player but sometimes his his mind like he 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 it's like he's not thinking straight he's not he's not playing the game like mentally like he has mental breakdowns and it really frustrates me when that type of shit happens and i'm not saying that i would be any better in that position but i don't play mls i'm not the starting uh left back for an mls team oh, oh tony so, you might you might have been better in that situation i don't think so i don't think say. so um it, it yeah that that one that especially that second one you know i both of them you're correct tony you can put them on gasper in a way that second one especially is a little bit frustrating and i think in both cases and this was a case of you know when the, the wheels really fell off against seattle it, it kind of felt similar it was a result of like at, the, at those times you know minnesota was pressing up the field and they just couldn't get back you know yep. some, you know they need if they're gonna if, you know i love seeing the play especially off the wings when you have your wings overlapping with, you know, you know, in this case, Finley <clears throat> up there, you know, and, and met near and, and uh, met near on the other side. I love seeing, I love seeing the wings get up and the, the aggressive press up the pitch, but boy, you, you've got to be able to defend the counter because it's going to happen when, when you see that kind of play. Yeah, so, definitely. and they just didn't, they couldn't, they couldn't protect themselves against the counterattack. I think yep. in both games and it's, it's why they got out to, you know, a double digit or multiple goal deficit in both these games. It's troubling. Well, you know, if you look at both of the replays of those goals, uh, when the counterattacks were happening at the time, you only saw a back three at the yep. time. Uh, there was no back four. Yep. So you're missing a guy in defense. Uh, and then Chase Gasper makes a stupid mistake like that. And after that, I mean, what else can, what else can you expect out of a, out of a defensive line of three against a counterattack right it, it's interesting yeah i think it was like against seattle one of those goals where you're like where where's met you know and i think he had fallen down prior to seattle's goal and, yep, and yeah. left him with a three-man backfield mm -hmm. and, yep. yeah and this this you're right connor it looked exactly you know you just wonder you know looking when you're zoomed in look, looking at the replay it's like well where 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 is the support there is none and you know it all it takes is one you know, kind of misplay and now you're left exposed and that's kind of, especially on the <laughs> second goal, that's what happened with Gasper. He just, you know, there wasn't anything left to do after and that. It, and, and playing your backs forward like that works. And we've seen it work for this team when you're scoring goals, when you're not scoring and you're giving up goals because your guys, your backs are playing up. That's when you get into, into trouble. And in both these occurrences, I think we got into trouble. And, and if we're not going to score, you know, two or three goals a game, then we shouldn't be playing our backs up that far. I mean, I, oh, I, and I don't know. And I, I'm, you're right, Tony. And that's what that I think I was wondering if they were going to make a change, you know, after what happened in Seattle, are they going to, are they going to have to be a little bit more conservative? Are they going to have to, you know, maybe tone it, tone it down a little bit when I, you know, as far as the, the press and the aggressiveness. And, and also I know like, you know, last week it was, and what for right or wrong, it was kind of, you know, we put Coleman under the bus a little bit. You know, we pointed out a couple of mistakes that he made that might have may or may not have led to goals like we're kind of doing here with Gasper. But, you know, who's it going to be this week or next week? And, then, you know, I think Retalia, you know, I don't he did not stay. Now, he was only in the game for what, 15 minutes last week. He started this week. Right. Uh, 
he, but he didn't look particularly impressive to me. And I, I don't know. And, and especially on that second one, I think it might, it's almost like there was a lack of miscommunication between say Gasper and Natalia. Like they, they, they were just out of position and they both got burned by, you know, at the same time where you'd think you could play that differently and have a little support either from your center backs further back or, you know, Gasper doing his role as shifting back in the defensive backfield so it's it's really hard to say what went wrong there but something did and they were out of place both Retalia and of course Gasper so well here's uh here's here's a question for you speaking of changes uh Dave um since you 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 saw the shortcomings of Coleman in the first in the first game against Seattle and then this week they started Ritala and then you see the shortcomings of Gasper this week do you think we bench Gasper next week put Raitala on the left and then maybe put, see if, well, maybe Devasi's ready. I don't know, but maybe see if there's another center back that we start in place. Yeah. Um, boy, from a fan perspective, I think my immediate answer to that is yes. You know, yes. You know, cause you had Kim Maguchi, he was, was he available? I didn't, you know, I briefly caught the starting line. It was, but he was available for the opener against Seattle. I think he was available. Cause that would be. He was, of, he was. There was, you know, he I, he's a little bit older. That would be an exciting name just because he was one of more of those. He, he was a, a, he's fairly developed, you know, and I think he's a, a bigger body that you would kind of like to see. I, for me as a fan, yes, that's my quick answer. Yeah, that would be exciting just to see what he's got. Um, but boy, it's, it's, isn't it, it'd be tough right now to, to put Gasper on the bench, you know, given his experience and, and whatnot. I mean, boy, in a perfect world, you'd have Debossi coming back sooner rather than later but boy, he hasn't seen a minute of match time in this season or the preseason for that matter so you can't really expect that to happen soon of course it could if he's fit but yeah I think you're hoping for a lot there and I don't know I mean up right now preferably I'd like to see Coleman give it another go over Retalia but you're right isn't in isn't Retalia's natural position more out on the wing the back yeah when he pulled back for Montreal, he played for more of a left back position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I guess if I had no choice and they were, let's assume Kimaguchi was a little, you know, not, he didn't deem him ready for MLS action, you know, yeah, maybe I'd like to see that just to see what he can do just for changes, a change of purpose. So, but that would be the question. Yeah. Who would you bring in? So it's a little tough, but I guess well, you could. The hope is that Debasi is ready to go next week um that his lingering issues are kind of over with he gets some training in this week and he's starting next week um because yeah i mean because the question really what you're asking connor is would you essentially i mean here well i shouldn't say this but would you prefer to see say gasper on the bench retalia out left and then say coleman in that other center back position would you prefer that you know i think so because i think that uh, everybody has a bad game, and that was obviously it for Coleman at, against Seattle. Um, and we've seen what he can do when his game is on. And yeah, and I, I against an expansion team like Austin, who I don't know if they played yesterday or not. I don't know if they won or lost or anything. But they they beat uh, uh, they actually beat Colorado on the road uh, three to three Colorado. to one oh, on the road. Austin. Right. Yeah, they got their first win so. So they'll be on the road again. For, well, actually, they're going to be on the road for, I think, their first seven, eight matches while they're waiting for their stadium. So, right. But yeah, so Austin, I, I watched that first match between uh, Austin and LAFC and boy, they, they look pretty solid, you know, for expansion club. This is it. First impressions, you know, you know how uh, expansion clubs can can be. We, you know, are you going to be the Atlanta United uh, LAFC or are you going to be the FC Cincinnati uh austin looks more like the former they look more i'm not i'm not going to put them in the same class as an lafc or atlanta united in their inaugural seasons but i think austin is is much is going to be much more of a challenge than say your fcc i don't think you'll see a seven nil defeat here at allianz field next week personally but yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting um we did guys we did actually score one goal yesterday Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin Lude did score a goal in the, I think it was the 86th minute. 86 minute yeah. Um, and it which was, was, which was nice. But, uh, after that goal was interesting after that goal, of course, Chase Gasper, once again, trying to get the ball away from the goalie so he can put it back at center to get the kickoff going so they can, you know, 
potentially tie this game up and there was a little bit of a tussle and you know um i was waiting for a red card or at least a yellow card to come out during that attempt um the other thing we saw guys too is that um like i stated i think before the season started uh ozzy alonzo kind of coming in later in games kind of the you know the the veteran comes in with like you know 20 15 20 minutes left to kind of close things out uh which is uh, i think a great role for him um because i think he did kind of start up this robin lud uh goal he had a had some activity in that um we saw justin mcmaster again Yes, uh, yeah, which is yeah. which is great. Uh, love the fact they're playing a young kid. Um, and I'm trying to think who else did we see for the first time? Did we see anybody else for the first time? I don't think we did. Oh, we no, we... I, I did think that was really promising to see. I mean, I, I was excited when they drafted him, but I was surprised mm-hmm. when we saw him come in in Seattle and now to come yep. in, you know, in, in, in a game that was still, you know, he because he came in what 65th minute, so that you know, yep. there was still plenty of game left. They, you know, they were looking for that, you know, that comeback, the goal to get their first goal. And I thought it was really promising to see him on the pitch for both of these games so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice to see him. And I'm hoping that that turns into more of a, a prominent role for him on this team. Uh, he's got he's talented. Um, when and when you talk about Justin McMaster, it, and I got to say, I remember thinking at that at that moment when at the game, uh, he got subbed in for Ethan Finley and yep. Finley did not have a good game in my opinion. No. He had uh, he had trouble receiving passes. He, he he's fast but he could he couldn't win a race. Um it was uh, so Justin McMaster I was very happy to see him coming in yesterday. Yeah, and he I, and I, well. he did and you know I was just uh, going back and you know with Lude's goal it was actually McMaster that got the assist and and McMaster was inside the box had a nice little you know it was a I think he had got the ball from Ray could be wrong about that but he McMaster actually was able to pass the ball, short pass, accurate, nice kind of athletic pass right over to Lude, who uh, finished it right after that. So McMaster got the credit for the assist as he should have. Um, so that that was promising play. Um, it really was. And then I, so that's promising, I guess, if we're looking for reasons to be optimistic. And then I think we, we saw Dotson at the same time come into his more natural position at the eight, right. you know, taking over for Gregus, mm-hmm. I should say. So that's where we'd like to see him. Or yeah. if he has to come in, say right back, or even a wing position, um, but only in situations that that need it, say injury or, or unexpected substitutions. But at least he got some more playing time as well in his more natural spot. So because I think he was involved in that goal early on, as far as bringing the ball up the field. So that was good. And then I think we all kind of got you, Tony. You brought it up, Alonzo. You know, and I think when we were discussing prior to the season start, I think we all kind of decided when we were t- talking about our preferred lineups, correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but I think we all kind of, and maybe it's because of his past success and accomplishments, but we all kind of thought, well, yeah, Alonzo, he's probably your preferred, you know, starter, you know, obviously in the defensive mid position, um, but that hasn't been the case. It's been Will Trap in both of those games. And I, I, maybe that's a conversation they had with Alonzo. Cause I think when we all said that was our preferred lineup, we all were under the assumption that we wouldn't see him out there for 90 minutes, every game. We, I guess me personally, I didn't know that. I didn't necessarily think he'd be, you know, coming off the bench in that kind of reserve role. I thought maybe he'd even start play 60, something like that, and then get subbed out late, but it's nice to see his involvement as well. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it's nice to see Ozzy out there uh, closing games out. Um, I think that is what he we're at, at this point in his career. That's I think the best option for him is to kind of close games out and kind of get on there and kind of. And do his I thing. think that's good. That's a good point. And and that that it, that would be a great role if that's what he can do. Of course, he'd like to have him come in in a situation where you're protecting a close game. When you have a one goal lead or two goal lead, where he can come in and give you that extra defensive, you know, stability that we're dying for right now after these first two matches and but unfortunately we have not been in those positions you know late into games so hopefully going forward we'll see a little more of that and again guys to close this game out it was it was great to be back uh a shout out to the Bruhal casuals who i picked a scarf up from at the game and the funny thing about the scarf is uh i think it says this team is the reason why i drink and uh yeah that was good for yesterday because they are the reason why 
I drink uh, heavily. And um, yeah, it was, again, guys, great to be out there. Um, the protocols in place, there was a lot of, you know, lines were shorter because there was less people. Um, no cash, of course. Uh, spacing in the seats was crazy. I mean, there was space between people was, was nuts. Um, the only other thing that was interesting was the fact that, um, the brew hall was not open. Right. Um, it was, yeah. it was completely, they did not want anybody congregating near that brew hall. Uh, Dave and I actually were sitting there looking for the brew hall casuals. And one of the ushers came up and said, Hey, you got, you guys got to move on. You know, and we're just, you know, standing there kind of chatting and having a drink. And no, he wanted us to, to move on. Um, That's a good, yeah, that's good. They definitely did that. And they, you know, now I've been to a Twins game and a Loons game here this year in back-to-back weeks. And it's kind of, it had a similar feel to it, but I would say that the Twins did more of a job at like ushering. They had more ushers. They had a bigger usher presence and did it more of, because their policy, and it probably, I didn't look into it. at the Twins games, their policy is you you buy your food or beverage, you bring it back to your seat, and then you eat or drink it. And yep. I think that was the same policy at Allianz Field. It was, yeah. Um, yep. We got, uh, we got yelled at. Uh, me, me and my my dad, my stepmom, and my buddy Tim were uh, were with me in our in our seats, and uh, we opened our we got our beers at one of the one of the I can't remember which one, but one of the places. And we opened our beers and we had a toast and we drank a little bit. And one of the guys noticed us and said, Hey, you're not supposed to drink your beers until you're in your seats. And uh, <laughs> so we went straight to our seats. And that is, that, that's a subtle difference because you, you, you're used to when you buy a beer at any of the one or, or a Coke or whatever it is at the concession stands, you're used to having them pop the top for you yep. and saying, here go, yeah. but it's a subtle thing where they didn't open the beer for you, you know, and you brought true. it back, you know, and that, it, it, I didn't, I didn't notice it until I late in the game and I had one and I didn't, cause I, what I realized was I bought a beer late in the second half and I never opened it. Yep. Yeah. Oh. The game ended and the, my, the beer was unopened. Okay. Yep. So it's a Did subtle thing, but yeah, stadium? I might've yes. Yeah. Cause, cause <laughs> I, I wasn't, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't need to drink it at the time. And so it worked out just fine, but, uh, it is very subtle. I thought personally, um, the feel, even though it feels weird to be in a stadium that holds 19,000 plus and there's only 4,000, it has an odd feel to it. But I thought, shout out to the Wonderwall and all the supporters and fans. I mean, I thought it felt pretty darn good. I felt it, did. it, yeah. it, didn't, it wasn't 19,000 strong, but it still had a great atmosphere, a great feel to it. And I, a shout out to you know, the staff at Allianz Field, every, everybody from the ushers to the concession staff, I thought they did a tremendous job too. It didn't feel weird. Yes, we, you know, we maybe got pushed around a little bit, but it, it wasn't uh, over the top aggressive. Yeah. No, because you know, I know for you guys feel the same way. After 500 plus days, you walk into that stadium, you just want to soak it in. You want to walk around, you know, hang out, look, you know, and you, they know that and I don't think they were too aggressive in enforcing their policies I think they did just enough to make sure that you know people weren't congregating together in large groups yeah you know I think if you were within reason you could certainly walk around that stadium you could soak it in unless you were I think you know with 20 people sitting in a you know a corner I think within reason they allow you to get that game day experience and there was nothing that I disliked about the overall experience and there was no in in our section at least Dave, there was no real usher like watching no. us to make sure our masks were on the whole game. No, nope. it was, you know, you put your, you kind of, you, you had a beer, you put your mask back up. You might've forgotten to put it up a couple of times. It is what it is. But then again, you're with people that you know, um, and you're not by anybody else. No. So, no. and you're outside. So uh, the risk of you giving, uh, you know, if you had COVID and why would you have, yeah. if you, why would you be there if you were sick? But, right. you know, the risk of that happening was close to nil. Um, right. and, and again, I, David and I actually talked about this um, before the game. It was, it's kind of weird that you can only have 4,100 people at an outdoor game. And we know now there are more and more, you know, uh, things coming out saying that the risk of catching COVID when you're outdoors is very minimal um because of airflow and things so i think we're going to start seeing 
some of these places open up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, uh, especially if it's outdoors. And uh, hopefully that's the case. But again, it was fun to be there. Uh, weird because there's only 4,100 people. But, you know, it was soccer. It was live. I wasn't watching it on TV in my basement. Um, it was a little chilly. Uh, not not the nicest weather for a game. Um, but yeah, every I'll take the sun and chilly over yeah. rainy and hot. Man. Exactly right. Exactly right. So we have a game coming up next weekend, guys. It is against Austin uh, FC. Really quick before you uh, before you go into that, shout out to Dan O on Twitter. I ran yep. into him at the at the beer line and we we said hi. That was the first time we'd ever met in person. Nice. We'd exchanged uh, we'd exchanged a couple of comments on Twitter before. So nice. Dan o, shout out to you. Sweet. Yep. Um, yeah. So Austin FC next week, guys. Uh, is it? I think it's Saturday, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. So it's another another seven o'clock game at Allianz Field. Yep. Um, I, we've talked briefly about um, how Austin has looked so far. Um, I'm a little concerned, guys. Usually I wouldn't be concerned because it's an expansion team and you should be able to trounce expansion teams. But the fact that Austin has played fairly decent in their past two games and the fact that we've played like shit in the past two games uh, yeah. makes this kind of a – I hate to call it a crucial game this early in the season, guys, but really it is it's a crucial game. We need to get that first win. Yeah. Um, if we want any opportunity of making the playoffs, we need to stop this two game losing streak right here, right now, get a victory against Austin, get some, you know, get ourselves kind of back up, you know, get, get, get proud, man, get proud. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, Tony, I, I totally agree with you. And it was, you know, we I mentioned, you know, their three to one victory and their first victory in MLS came at the expense of uh, Colorado Rapids. And, you know, it was Cecilio, Cecilio excuse me, Cecilio Dominguez, who was Austin's uh, first designated player who, yeah, no, let's see. I think he got he two got of the goals. Yeah. yeah. Two of the goals. So, and he was their first DP and talk about, you know, you know, that's the key with MLS expansion, or it's certainly one of the keys is you can't miss on your designated players. You know, you're, you're putting that kind of asset and assets and money into those players. You only have three of them, so you can't miss. And I don't know, so far, early reviews are pretty promising for that player. I didn't see any of that game, uh, ju just noting that he scored. Like, I did watch the first game against LAFC, which they looked pretty strong. So, yeah, I'm a little worried. I'm with you, Tony. Uh, I wasn't worried coming to RSL. I wasn't even after what happened in Seattle. I wasn't worried. I, I, you, I said on this show, I feel confidently that actually maybe I didn't cause we got interrupted, but I, I felt strongly that that Minnesota would come back and win at home in their opener and they yep. didn't. And yeah, that we, there is some positives we can we really tried our best to take the positives out of this game against RSL, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I went from optimistic to, yeah, concerned. I, I am a little nervous. And if they lose, whether it's a good expansion side like Austin or not, uh, I, I'd be, you know, it'd be, it'd be, you know, heads are going to roll, so to speak, not literally, of course, but uh, you, you start out 0-3 here in, in MLS and you're in trouble early, even though it is, you know, going to be or plan to be a full season, full, yeah. what, 30, uh, 35 game season. Yep. You know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, Austin FC's uh, highlights actually at uh, against Colorado, and they're very good at pressuring the defense. They they pressured Colorado's defense really well. In fact, that's how they got one of their goals from Dominguez. And uh, so that's uh, judging by how we gave up our goals last night against RSL. That's that's very frightening in my opinion. It uh, is. Yeah. I I think that our defense was definitely not at their best. Aside from I I do want to. Shout out Michael Boxall because if not for him, it would have been worse. Yeah. Um, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's they they their pressure game is real good. It it looks real like I'm 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 afraid. I'm I'm scared of them. Yeah, and, and why not? Should, I mean, maybe now is a good time to take our weekly look at the standings. And uh, no, no, <laughs> no. Because if no, I, I say that jokingly, because it's a negative five. It's, no. it's a lot, it's a lot easier to take a look at the standings when you're halfway through the season, you know, and maybe with 20, 20 games matches played, but uh, yeah, of course I don't need to say it, but uh, we all know where we stand in the, in that table. 
you know, in fact, I, but I will point this out. They're the only Western Conference team without a point in their first two matches. So, yeah. Yikes. I did not know that, but thank you for bringing that up, Dave. Yeah, just so if you weren't feeling bad enough about the Loons position, that that's just that adds a little fuel to the fire. But hey, you know, speaking of fuel to the fire, you know, this team better be motivated. It has to be motivated coming off a home, you know, a very disappointing two games, you know, and including the home opener last night, you know, in front of fans to lose a game like that. It, it, they better they better have some uh, passion. I think they will, and I think they'll be heavily motivated. But it doesn't. You know, there's, you know, it's this, not, doesn't make it easy. Yeah, this team should be very mad right now because um, we, we have talent. We've, we, we've seen it. We, we have mm-hmm. the playmaking abilities of Emmanuel Reynoso. And uh, I, I mean, we haven't seen what Avila can do in this MLS, but if he's anything like what he can do at Boca Juniors, he's good. And then there's a new who can play at both left wing and striker. Mm-hmm. And he, he's a good, like, one time. Uh, like uh, I mean, I've said it before in the podcast, but I love the kind of striker that can hit a strike one time and put it in the goal. Don't take a touch first, hit it first time. Yep. Um, and and a new can do. I, I'm sorry, I meant to I meant to say a new, not Hanu. Um, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. I mean, when you see his name, it's it's tough. Not. I think we'll all get used to it. But I, I mean, I there's players that I still struggle with. That you know, yeah. I'll catch myself saying Laud instead of Lude and all that. So there's many of those names. But yeah, you, you hate. You know, when will he be here? You know, I think he's well on his way. Uh, Tony, you mentioned he is signed officially three-year contract with an option for one year. So he's through 2023 with a club option, I believe. Yep. Um, so that is official. He's just waiting on his visa and his, it's a league-mandated quarantine. So yep. at this point, MLS is still, regardless of vaccination status, it's a league-mandated mandated quarantine. So he's got to go through that. So it'll be, I would imagine, another week or two before you could potentially see the field. Uh, that being said, you hate to be in a position where, boy, you know, this club's winless or, yeah. you know, you know, at the bottom of the standings. But we have the thing about MLS, it's it's week to week. It's an extremely difficult league to predict. We've seen clubs both at the top at the bottom, especially at the bottom, make late surges. You know, even if Minnesota starts out with a poor month, it doesn't mean that their season is over. It doesn't mean no. you just throw the season away. You can make late runs. Um, especially with the competition in the West, how it's, you expect it to be pretty thick. So if you have a bad month that doesn't rule out the season, you could have a solid summer month or even, you know, a, a September and make a late season surge. So it's never too late. So especially with that influx of talent, uh, hopefully we can stay healthy, uh, Minnesota can stay healthy and uh, we'll, we'll be off and running. And yep. correct me if I'm wrong, Anu is was signed to a DP contract, right? He was. Yes. Yep. yes. He was, Okay. So he's the third DP uh, and his international spot was available. I think we went over that last week. They still have another one left. So if Franco Pani could still potentially happen, although that's lost a little bit of steam since we last recorded. I think we saw hints of that last week when we talked about it, but it's still available. But yeah, it's a DP contract and uh, you know, three years, like I said, with an option. So he's kind of, he's long-term. He was excited to be here. And I think we can thank uh, DeBossi from what it sounds like, which is, not a shocker, Debassi coming over from League One as yep. well in France. So, but that is kind of nice to see to those connections. It look, you know, from every all the comments that he made and that are available publicly, Anu was excited to be here, excited to come That's to Minnesota great. to play soccer, and you just love to see that. So you got that, you know, Boca Juniors connection now, another connection through uh, League One in France, and then of course we in in the we had. Uh, our fin, fin, Finland connection for a little while. And, and, but it's, it's just nice to see that, that players are coming here and not just coming here, but they want to come here and they've said so publicly. So it's, it's exciting time. It's just unfortunate that we're sitting here talking about a season in which they've started out without a win in their first two games. Right. Yep. Well, boys, I got to take a nap because I'm tired and <laughs> it's, I had, I was, I was way, I had too much beer last night and talking about this game from last night has made me very, very sad. And, uh, your voice is a little deeper than usual. Tired. Yeah. It's, it's not, yeah, it's not good. Um, so, uh, I do want to say one thing before we get out of here, guys, I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier, uh, to MLS, USL and US soccer, get custom scarves for your group or team at Roughneck Scarves, 
Com. Uh, Tony, I can, then I can, yeah, thanks to Roughneck Scarves. I can only assume the scarf that you bought last night was a Roughneck Scarf. Yeah, it's a Roughneck Scarf. They're all, it's all Roughnecks. Yeah, Roughneck Scarves. Yes. Um, so again, guys, it can only go up from here, you know, yep. and uh, hopefully next week we're talking the next Sunday or Monday or whatever next podcast we do, we're talking about a, a win. One last, one last question, guys. Is uh, I will be at the game next week. Are you guys going to be at the game? Uh, I won't be. Um, I think David has two tickets for the next uh, four games now. He got four for last night's game, and he got two tickets for the next four games. So I don't think I will be at the game. Uh, I guess we haven't really talked to David about who he's bringing or whatever. So, um, And I will not be buying him on the aftermarket because – Ranking over a hundred bucks and the Dallas game. Holy shit. Tickets for the Dallas game are going for like over $200 right now. So really? yeah, it is, yeah. it is crazy. I uh, look at it like this. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Tony. I'm kind of, I, I don't expect to go. Um, I don't have a ticket to the game at this point, And so therefore don't expect to go. I, I kind of had the same, I'm so grateful that I was able to be there for the home opener uh, last mm-hmm. night. And I kind of look at it like this, the secondary market, yeah, is, is very inflated as it probably should be with only 4,100 tickets available. But I kind of look at it like this, hey, I got my opportunity to get back to Allianz Field. There's a lot of fans out there that want to get back themselves. And yep. so, hey, you know, I, I'm fine with, you know, not not being there, give everybody else a chance to go. And then hopefully we're, you know, we're looking at expanded capacity going forward through the summer. So. Yep. Exactly. And then we'll all be back again. So here's hoping that uh, everything goes according to plan. And by July 4th, we'll be back to full capacity. Yep. That would be amazing. Let's hope so. All right, guys. Uh, So for myself, uh, Tony, for Connor and Dave, we'll talk to you guys uh, next week. All right. Sounds great. See ya.